This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 501. We lean on each other to amplify each other. So someone may say, hey, I had this amazing win this week. I feel really weird talking about it. Can someone else amplify it? And if you need something amplified, I'll do that for you. So it becomes this currency of supporting each other. How you present in person, over email, and on social media communicates your personal brand. And that brand deserves thoughtful cultivation and crafting as you shape your narrative, build your network, grow your confidence, and plot your future. I am Jeff, and this is the Read to Lead podcast, the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. If you want to achieve true success in business and in life, then intentional and consistent reading is a must. More on how you can more effectively cultivate your reading habit in just a moment. First, I want to tell you about today's guest. Her name is Aliza Licht, and she's the author of On Brand. Shape your narrative, share your vision, shift their perception. I'll be asking Aliza to share about why she believes everyone, no matter their position, should be thinking about personal branding some of the biggest and most common mistakes she sees others make, how to determine what you should and shouldn't share online and elsewhere, and lots more. I mentioned a moment ago helping you cultivate a reading habit. That, of course, is part of what Read to Lead the podcast is all about, but there's also the Read to Lead community where you can hang out with other folks just like you who are passionate about personal and professional development and get insights from experts and me each and every month, plus book summaries and more for just $9 each month. The first two weeks, in fact, are free if you want to try it out right now. Just go to jeffbrown.me to find out more information. There are currently hundreds of people inside this community, and we spent just the last two months alone meeting with authors who've appeared right here on the show to talk with them about their latest book. It's a pretty cool place to be if I do say so myself. Again, you can find out more about it just by going to jeffbrown.me dot me it's just nine dollars a month but you can try it out free for two weeks to see if you like it one more time it's jeff brown dot me aliza licht is an award-winning marketer best-selling author podcaster personal branding expert and the founder of leave your mark a multimedia brand and consultancy she advises businesses and mentors individuals on brand building and career development She was named one of America's next top mentors by the New York Times and Business Insider's top 20 most innovative career coaches. She's also a sought-after keynote speaker and sits on several boards. Her new book is called On Brand. Shape your narrative, share your vision, shift their perception. Well, Lisa, I am so excited to talk to you about this topic of personal branding uh, here on the Read to Lead podcast. Thank you for taking the time. I know uh, we've been planning this for a while, so I'm, I'm, I'm so glad the day's finally here. Jeff, I am so honored to be here. And yes, I am so glad the day is finally here, too. Well, tell me a bit about David, Jonathan, and Sabrina. I want to know more <laughs> about these folks. <laughs> ever asked me about my actual family. Uh, David, (laughs) husband, Jonathan, son, freshman Mm. in college now, Sabrina, sophomore Mm. in high school, daughter. Uh, So yeah, they're, uh, they're the core team. Yeah. I I noticed they got, they got uh, top billing in the dedication. Yes, of course (laughs) they did. Of course Uh, they did. In my uh, community, online community called the Read to Lead community, uh, so many in that community are knowledge workers. Uh, They're, they're not many of them entrepreneurs, internet marketers like myself, podcasters, that sort of thing. Uh, 
And I find that many of them, Aliza, have this thinking that personal branding is just for those other people. It's just Mm -hmm. for the influencers. But why do you say everybody needs to be thinking about this? I love this question, Jeff. So first of all, one of the the things I really strive to do in On Brand was be equitable between the people who are super digitally savvy or want to be and feel comfortable building in that space. And for the people that are like, that is not me. (laughs) Because the truth of the matter is for people that say like, oh no, personal branding is not for me. Like every single person has some version of a personal brand already, right? right? It starts with what makes you you. And it's what you say, it's what you do, it's what you choose to align with. It's your mannerisms, your energy. People are consuming you, right? So the whole purpose of on brand is to help people go down the journey of is your self-reflection matching public perception? And when I say public, I mean anyone who consumes you in Mm -hmm. any medium. It could be your friends. It could be your family. It could be work. And to me, a strong personal brand means that your name is dropped in rooms you are not in. Mm. And that's because people understand what you're good at and understand the value you bring. And that you're recommended or thought of for opportunities that other people haven't heard of yet. If someone is able to speak about your skills or something valuable that you bring to the table, when you're not in the room, you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. And and for many people, this can be uncomfortable to a degree. I think there tend to be a lot of mistakes made along the way. What are mm-hmm. what are some of the more common mistakes you see people making when it comes to their their personal brand? So this book is not um, recommending to people that you talk about yourself and your wins all day. Like that <laughs> would be horrible. I just want to put that out there for everyone listening. <laughs> I hate the idea of bragging, but as a former publicist, I love the idea of shaping that headline. Right? If you had to mm. think of yourself in terms of what is your headline? If there was a New York Times piece written about you, about how you are as a professional, what would that say? Mm. So it really is not about bragging. So in On Brand, what I recommend is you need to be able to shape your narrative. You need to be able to communicate to the people around you different milestones, right? Different milestones throughout your journey professionally. But at the same time, you also need to be amplifying other people. Mm. And I have a five to one rule. So for every one time I share a win for myself, whether in person or online, I proactively go out and try to amplify five other people. And for people that are uncomfortable or might be introverts and don't, and this work is, is, it tends to be uncomfortable, right? I get it. There's other ways to do it. You know, if you're, you know, a corporate person, you could put it into a report and say, listen, I wanted to update you on where I am so far this quarter. And I'm really proud of these wins. And here they are. Or you could leverage behind the scenes. One of the things that in some of the circles I travel in, in my little whisper network, we lean on each other to amplify each other. So someone may say, hey, I had this amazing win this week. I feel really weird talking about it. Can someone else amplify it? And if you need something amplified, I'll do that for you. So it becomes this currency of supporting each other. And you can pull together different types of people to help you do that to sort of get what you want people to know about you out there without you feeling like you have to be the one to say it. 
you kind of hinted at this a moment ago, but I thought I'd have you elaborate on, on it even more. You didn't actually say it this way, but, but what I'm hearing you say, I think ultimately is if you're not telling your own story, other people are creating that story for you. Is, is, that, is that a fair way to say it? That is a fair way to say it. And I do write that in On Brand because mm. without your story, people will just make up their own. Mm. How would you say that the way that that work has changed for so many of us, you know, through the through the uh, pandemic and what have you, how does that impact or has that impact impacted the way we brand ourselves or market ourselves? One of the first things I say in the introduction of on brand is you need to understand how you're showing up, no matter the medium. Mm-hmm. And when we think about remote work, or we even think about hybrid work. It's so easy to become invisible. It's so easy yeah. to just slip into your to-do list. You're doing the work. It's not that you're not doing the work, but you're doing it in a silo, in a cocoon where it's only you and no one really feels that you are contributing in the way that you know you are. So it's up to each person. I wrote a piece in Harvard Business Review on the importance of building your personal brand and proactive communication as a remote worker because you can be forgotten about or people might not recognize all of the value that you're adding. So it is about proactive communication. It is about making sure that people remember you and your name and that you're someone to call upon. This goes back to earning social capital, right? Making sure that people understand you're good to work with. They can count on you. You're going to deliver great work and on time. All of those things come from a track record. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and building those authentic relationships throughout the course of your career and keeping up with people. Mm. You know, as, as a podcaster, uh, in, especially as it involves advertising, sometimes, you know, things like follower counts and those sort of things matter uh, <laughs> to, to people like advertisers, it seems. Uh, the last time I can, I can really remember uh, having to think long and hard about, you know, what are those numbers really was when I was doing a book proposal and the publisher wanted to know how many followers do you have and this platform and that platform and who do you know and what's your network like and and that sort of thing. And there's so much emphasis on social media followers and and the numbers. But for the average person trying to build a personal brand, why do you say that didn't really matter? Because you can have a strong personal brand and not even be on social media. There are so many people who have incredible reputations and networks and people that will move mountains for them. They've never been online for one minute. Now, those people are probably from the boomer or Gen X generation when we spent our whole lives working, doing the work, putting in the time, building the relationships and and didn't have online to put anything there. Today, I would say to people who are not interested in social media, it's just important to not be a ghost. You need to be findable. So I think LinkedIn is non-negotiable. I would agree. Any other non-negotiables uh, or is that that the main one? That is the only non-negotiable. And I would even say that you don't even have to be posting on LinkedIn. Like you don't have to be creating a content strategy or posting. Callie Schweitzer, who's the head of um, creative programs at LinkedIn, is one of the experts in on-brand. Mm. And one of the things she talks about, which I love, is the ability for anyone to share thought leadership in the comments. So if you have what I like to call a nutritious timeline, I don't know if you were, I don't know if you were allowed to eat sugar cereals growing up, um, but but I was, but now as a parent, I'm like, no, we need to like 
have, you know, fiber <laughs> and all these things. But if you if you strategically follow people who are giving nutrition to your brain, right? There are people in your industry, yeah. there are people you admire, there are people who are, are sharing important things. If you if your timeline is nutritious and then you participate mm. in smart things that they're saying, or you amplify them, or you share your thoughts on top of something they shared, then you are actually participating in building your personal brand, but because but it doesn't have to come from your page necessarily. Aliza, mm. uh, I'm in my 50s and I still have to work really hard to walk past peanut butter Captain Crunch at the, at the grocery <laughs> store. And I may have had a Pop-Tart as recently as yesterday. <laughs> okay. That is, I, I respect that, Jeff. And um, by the way, I don't know, are you on Twitter slash X? I am. On? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Pop-Tarts US has one of the best accounts oh. on Twitter. I did not know that. <laughs> yes. They, somebody came up with the idea that Pop-Tarts should be snarky. And it is hilarious. <laughs> I like that. I'll have to check that out. That's not, really that is, that's just the sound of that is, is pretty funny. I know. As, as social media has evolved, I want to I want to stay on that topic for just a, a moment longer. Mm-hmm. Things are getting more bite sized and and shorter and 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 you know sixty second, thirty second video that sort of thing or, or less. Uh, and I feel like in a lot of ways that has contributed to how much people share online. What are, what are the guidelines you put around? what you should share and what you shouldn't share. So throughout on brand, I create these mental gymnastics exercises and there's actually workbook lines in the book to do the work there. One of the first activities in the book is really working through your own Venn diagram, which is, you know, tried and true marketing tactic of understanding the different buckets that you play in work, personal side hustle, passions, causes, et cetera. And then there's exercises on your brand guardrails, right? Mm -hmm. Where do they begin and end? So when we think about content strategy, and I do walk the reader through how to create a content strategy and think about what they should share and what they shouldn't share Mm -hmm. in really easy steps. The first thing I would say is there's no such thing as the, the difference between personal and professional. Mm. Everything you do online is professional or should be. Mm. Even if you have a private account, your bios are still visible. So to me, every place that you have an opportunity to brand yourself in your online bios, those should all be working together to support whatever your goal is. Low-hanging fruit example of that is how many people do you email, Jeff, that have sent from my iPhone as their signature? <laughs> right. Quite that is, and, and none of them work for Apple, by the way. So <laughs> that is prime real estate mm. to make sure you're delivering who you are on a silver platter. Yeah. Listen to the latest episode of my podcast. Read my new book on brand. Anything that you want messaged, that's a great place to put it, right? So when we think about what to share or what not to share, I believe it's all about curating these buckets to make sure that you stay on brand for yourself. Mm. So a great example, when the book came out in April, there was the whole Budweiser scandal happening, Mm. right? And I got called to go on television to weigh in on this scandal. Mm -hmm. I checked my mental filter for my brand guardrails. And I was like, you know what? This is not my topic. Mm. This is not, this is not something that like I have enough information about expertise on. And I passed because I was like, you know what? That's not something that I actually 
I'm not the right person for that topic. So having that yes, no quick mental check to understand Mm -hmm. is really important. Many in my community are changing careers or they're making some sort of professional pivot, if you will. What are some tips for maybe navigating a rebrand in that context? I have a whole section on this. So it starts with a self audit. Mm. Where are you right now? How do people think of you right now? And where do you want to go? And what do you want them to think about you? Mm. And the easiest way to do it, Jeff, is to ask yourself the hard questions. Like literally ask yourself as if you were being interviewed, oh, oh, you're switching into this industry. Why are you switching into this industry? Why do you want to move into this direction? What makes you think you have the experience or how are you parlaying your past experience to move over? So you working through those answers as if you were really being interviewed by a journalist helps shape the communication, which then becomes something that's easily on the tip of your tongue. So instead of being a deer in headlights, when someone asks you a question that you're not prepared for, you have actually worked to shape this rebranding narrative. And then you're proactive in communicating it out amongst your network. So for example, I am the first case study in on-brand. I was a publicist my whole career. When I left my role after 17 years, I was like, I don't want to do PR anymore. (laughs) But everyone thinks of me as a publicist. Right. (laughs) So how do you change what everyone thinks of you? You have to start by one, changing the way you view yourself. In my mind, I'm like, I am a marketer. Yes, previously a publicist, but I am a marketer. And I started to condition people. Every time someone said, hey, I'll think of you if I hear of any PR consulting gigs. I'm like, thank you so much. You know what? That is actually in my past. Right now, I'm focused on marketing and digital strategy. So you have to do the work to make people understand where you're going also so they can help you get there. Yeah, There's a lot of talk these days about bringing your whole self to work. Talk about some of the the do's and don'ts of of integrating your personal brand in the office and why you say you should not bring your whole self to work. Yes. So this is a big controversial comment in the book. It it literally says, don't bring your whole self to work because I I think that bring your whole self to work is a Hallmark card. Like I think it's like great (laughs) in theory and workplace experts love saying it and Those people never actually have worked in jobs, all those people. <laughs> and the thing is, this is not a, not about not being your authentic self, right? I'm, of uh, course, you should be yourself. However, when you think about the parts of yourself that you bring to work, just ask yourself, are these parts helping you where you want to go? Are these parts helping you get that next step, that next promotion? Hmm. It's a gut check in making sure that how you're positioning yourself at work and the personal parts of yourself that you're bringing in are helping you, not hurting you. Mm. Let's take as an example, someone who's been, uh, say, laid off or fired. What are, what are some of the first things they should do uh, and think about to get back on the, on the job market? The first thing they should think about is why that happened. Mm. So people don't want to necessarily take responsibility. There's a lot of reasons why something like that might happen. And especially for people that have been in their careers a long time, who have become expensive or have sort of become furniture because they've been doing that thing forever. One of the things that I recommend in on-brand is don't let your personal brand get dusty. Mm. So for people, like I was in a role for 17 years. 
But I kept on innovating within my role. I kept on bringing new ideas to the table. I kept my finger on the pulse of my industry and what's happening and bringing in ideas. So the idea of not letting your personal brand get dusty means don't rest on the laurels of the fact that like, yeah, you can do your job with your eyes closed and you're you're really good at what you do and you can coast through. Like you have to keep on showing that you're adding value to whatever it is you're doing, or you you become easily disposable, especially because you are an older worker who's probably more expensive than someone younger who might come in fresh. So that's a really important thing. And it's something that is a hard thing for people to think about, but it's it's they can't just like put blinders on and not think about it. And then I guess the next thing you should do is, is again, understand, ask yourself those tough questions. Why did you leave that role? What's your answer? What do you want to do next? What's your answer? Every time we are moving or transitioning in a new direction, we have to write that script. We have to shape that narrative to get ourselves comfortable with what we're going to say, but also to educate other people on where we're headed or where we want to go. You mentioned the Budweiser controversy a minute ago. I think a lot of individuals are scared to death of of cancel culture. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts around navigating that that fear, I guess? Well, I couldn't write a book on personal branding without having a chapter on crisis communications and cancel culture. Um, so there's a couple of things. We know the more controversial you are, the bigger your audience gets because you find your followers and then the people that hate you Also, it's like a car crash. They can't look away. They need to know what you're saying. That's a very extreme way to live. And that's for a certain type of person. You could think of Elon Musk. You could think of Donald Trump. There's so many people that are like, I don't care if you don't like me. I am super comfortable just going in the direction that I want to go in. For regular people, that's harder. So when we go back to brand guardrails and we establish, okay, these, these are my content buckets. And when I say content, I mean like in real life, what we talk about, it could be online also, but in general, what we associate with, what we talk about, what we choose to align with, what we verbalize, those have to be clear in your head. And when we create the brand guardrails and we say, okay, you know what? I love, you know, I love cooking, for example. Mm-hmm. I don't, but let's say I said that. <laughs> I love cooking. But like, what does that have to do with like career development or marketing strategy or digital or personal branding? That's not fitting into my brand. Mm. Like I might do that on the side, but that's not fitting into my brand. Now I could create a scenario in a Venn diagram where I integrate that in, in a way that makes sense. But I think it's important when you visualize a Venn diagram, what's in that shared middle is where you focus on. If you're clear about your guardrails, you should never be a victim of cancel culture because you're not going to talk about something or you're not going to do something that's outside of what you've established as your parameters. Mm. And if you do by accident make a mistake or say something that offends someone, there's a series of steps in the book to rectify that. And of course, it starts with an apology. And we know that in America, especially ripping apart someone's apology is a new pastime where we Mm. analyze if the person was sincere, did they mean it? Are they really sorry? Mm. So the words you choose matter. And then more than that, the actions you choose after to rectify and show that you mean it matter too. So tons of steps in the book. I'm simplifying it, but there is a way to move past it 
We see so many people, though, just dig themselves deeper in the hole. Would you say that digging yourself deeper into a hole is more likely minus an apology? I guess what I'm getting at ultimately is, is there ever a scenario where you recommend someone not apologize in part because of the way people tear apart apologies? And it ends up from you know my vantage point, seeming like it often doesn't change things. Well, I think the more well-known you are, like if you are a public person, celebrity, there's not a scenario in which you can get away not apologizing, but you have to surround yourselves with the right people mm-hmm. to make the apology stick and not be ripped apart. And there's ways to do it. I mean, this is PR 101. There's ways to do it. You just need to have the right mix of counsel, right? It's got to be, you know, your lawyer, someone, someone from maybe the people team who has empathy, somebody, you know, a marketer, a PR person, like a whole mix of people. For regular people, you can, you know, ask your trusted friends and family like, hey, I did this thing. What do you think? How do you think I can rectify it? Mm-hmm. The other thing that's really important, though, and people make this mistake all the time, just because you did something wrong, like let's say you did post something really stupid on Twitter, right? <laughs> that doesn't mean the people over on LinkedIn know you did that. So a lot of times people make the mistake of paintbrushing an apology anywhere they are online. <laughs> And a lot of times people are like, wait, what happened? Like, I don't need, I don't even know what happened. So just put out the fire where it started and don't bring the fire to other places. Well, we've, we've talked a lot about uh, what's in the book. Certainly haven't covered all of it, but is there anything that I specifically have not asked about that you want to make sure that we know about or or walk away with before I ask a, a question or two, not directly related to the book? I think you've asked amazing questions. I think we've covered a lot. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, let me ask you if you would be kind enough to maybe recommend a book or two that over the course of your career or life has had a tremendous impact on you, maybe. Oh, that's a great question. Well, I would say I was a bigger reader later in life, Um, but I've, I've actually had some pretty remarkable guests on Leave Your Mark who are authors, which is my podcast. Mm. I would say the books that really specialize in certain tactics. So Alexandra Carter wrote Ask for More. She is a Columbia law professor on negotiation. And she trains um, UN members on negotiation. Mm. And her book in particular, the idea of thinking about negotiation from a steering the relationship perspective is really fascinating. So I highly recommend that book. My friend Susan McPherson wrote a book called um, The Lost Art of Connecting, which is really about building authentic relationships, not about collecting business cards, but really long-term building of authentic relationships. So Mm. those two books, I think tactically are really, really strong. Mm. Love those recommendations. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something that uh, I do with my community is I teach them through a course called Note Making Mastery. And Note Making Mastery is all about personal knowledge management. We've heard a lot of the last couple of decades about uh, getting things done and managing your tasks and to-dos. But what Note Making Mastery is about is managing your knowledge and going beyond just the task and and to-dos part of that equation. There's the collect phase, and that's just making sure that things that you want to remember are captured and, and then organized effectively such that you can easily find them later. But more than that, connecting new ideas that you come across to ideas you already have. So those things can sort of smash into one another. And from that, then crystallize the things that you're collecting. And in other words, adding your own unique insights uh, to it. And then from all that, creating with it, putting something out into the world. 
Um, I'd be curious to know, and you can pick any one of those facets or all four, any tips or strategies you use to make sure that the, the things you learn, the things that you consume for learning and growth don't get lost, that you actually uh, hang on to them in such a way that later they can get used and sort of remixed, if you will. That's a great question. And I love that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I work in marketing. I mean, that's what I consult in and I have brand clients and individual clients who I work on branding with. And one of the things we always do is a retrospective after a project, good or bad, just getting together and recapping what are our wins? What didn't go as well? What did we learn? What would we want to repeat? What don't we want to repeat? So after even launching my book, I did a retrospective for myself. Mm. I'm like, okay, if I ever do this again, answer, no, I'm not doing this again. But if I ever do it again, what went well? Uh. What, What mistakes did I made? What do I wish I changed? What would I do again? And how can I also use that for future clients who might be launching a book. Mm. So I I do think, and you have to do it when it's fresh. So I I do think the practice of going through something, even something bad, right? Mm -hmm. Coming out the other side and just journaling on it or putting it into a deck, because especially when that problem arises again, it's so great to be able to remember, wait, I went through that once before. How did I get through it? Like, what did I do to actually work through that? And I don't know. I don't even know what I did last week. So if I don't write it down, I will not remember. Uh, uh, you're speaking my language. I have, I have learned the hard way uh, what life is like when you don't do all the things you, that you just described. And it is so frustrating going through something, knowing you've done this before and not remembering how you did it before or, or, <laughs> and, and kicking yourself for not having cataloged that information in some way. Yeah, I, I totally hear you. And, and, and just to flip it around the other way, like putting a strategy together mm-hmm. before something happens and actually use it, you know, on a calendar. Okay. What am I doing week one, week two, week three, week four, and working through that strategy mm-hmm. to the launch point and then going back and analyzing how you did. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent advice. Well, Aliza's book, again, is called On Brand, and I think it's a great resource and book you'll go back to again and again. I highly recommend it. Aliza, thank you so much for taking time to be here. I really appreciate it. Jeff, thank you so much. It was so great to meet you, and I loved our discussion. If you want to dig into this topic a little more deeply, maybe even connect with Aliza online, go to readdeletepodcast.com slash 501 to see the show notes page for this episode. You'll find links to the books she talked about and recommended, links to connect with her on LinkedIn, Twitter, and elsewhere, and lots more. Again, that's readdeletepodcast.com slash 501 for episode 501. This Thursday, inside the Read to Lead community, I'm leading one of my monthly Ask Me Anythings, my monthly AMA, and you can join us for free. In fact, when you sign up for a Read to Lead Plus membership right now, the first two weeks are free. Then after that, just $9 a month. To find out more, go to jeffbrown.me to see what all your membership entails. In the coming weeks, we'll hear from author Jason Van Ruler as we dig into his book, Get Past Your Past. Valerie Cockrell comes by to talk about Manage Like a Mother. We'll welcome Steve Chu and his book, The Family First Entrepreneur, plus Pam Marmon and Speak Up or Stay Stuck. That's what's coming your way over the next month right here on the Read to Lead podcast. That'll do it for this week. Hope to see you next time. Until then, as always, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Read.